Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Thank you for asking. Not much going on with me. Uh, but you said you were busy today. What do you? What were you doing today? Oh, yeah. I had uh, some errands that I had to run early in the morning. Because uh, for those who don't know, you know, I started a job with, uh, with Disney. And my schedule during the week is not great. It's, I, can't, I don't have time really to do anything during the week. So my two days off which are Sundays and Mondays, are really spent like catching up on just things that I have to do, just regular errands, number one. So like laundry and uh, just cleaning around the house, that's one. And then number two, I got to do other things around the house, like mowing the lawn and and cleaning pool and things like that. And then on top of that, you know, I have to actually (laughs) like do errands. Like I had to go change the oil on my car. Then I had to go uh, do, yeah, it's like all these things are compressed into these two days. And it just doesn't feel like I could do anything else during the week. Yeah. The, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing to have to do everything in a span of two days. So I am managing it. Plus, <laughs> I had to watch the movie that we are reviewing this week as well. So I had to like squeeze it in in there. So, yeah. So it, it's quite a quite a few things that I had to do uh, yesterday and today. So. Yeah, so we're taking, uh, you know, send good vibes and prayers to Rico so that he can get a better work schedule. Um, it's yes. not good. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's not great. I-, I want my weeknights back. I really do. <laughs> uh, but enough about me and my complaining about my work schedule. Let's talk about the new movie this week. Before we do that, though, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And one thing I'll say about the Patreon... (laughs) Is we have revamped the Patreon page. Yes, we have. So that there's different, slightly different offerings and we've simplified it. There's just two tiers now instead of three. And I am pretty proud of what I named them and like the graphics that I put for them. <laughs> so um, please go on there and check it out. If it interests you, if you like the show, please go and support us. Um, I think there's two tiers. It's $2 and $5 a month and that's it. <laughs> so... Yep. Please, if you could spare um, $2 or $5 a month, we'd love to have you. We would definitely shout you out on the podcast, every podcast that you're a patron. We love and support you guys as much as you love and support us. We want to give you the content that you guys want. So please let us know what we can do better. Give us those reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, rate and review. And I think that's it for the spiel. (laughs) And very easily, just look in your show notes right now on your podcast app that you're looking at and you can click on the link to any one of them so you could go to our social media you could go to our patreon it's right there and even apple Podcasts, so you could go ahead and leave us a review it's right there in your show notes so with that said let's go ahead and talk about the movie that we're going to talk about which is pixar's turning red it is a brand new film that was released on disney plus we'll talk about that more in a second but 
Jessica, what is Turning Red about? The IMDb synopsis reads, 13-year-old May is experiencing the awkwardness of being a teenager with a twist. When she gets too excited, she transforms into a giant red panda. <laughs> that is such a funny description for this movie, and it's pretty much dead on. Uh, so this is a movie directed by Domi Shi. Uh, this is the director who directed the Pixar short Bao. Uh, that Lovely came short. A couple years ago. I'm trying yeah. to remember which movie it was attached to, but it, I think it... Didn't it win the Oscar or it was nominated for an Oscar for animated short, if I'm not mistaken. I think Uh, you were right on that. It's such a well-delivered animated short. short. It was incredible. So Domi Shi also was a co-writer on the film with Julia Cho and Sarah Streicher. That's three ladies and a lady director. Yeah, look at that. Power. All right, now who stars? <laughs> who stars in the movie, Jessica? It stars Rosalie Chung, and that she plays Mei Li. Sandra O oh is Ming. She plays a mom. Ava Morse plays Miriam. Maitreyi Ramakrishnan plays Priya, and she's in the show Never Have I Ever on Netflix, mm. so she's okay. pretty well known. Pakane plays Abby. James Hong is Mr. Gao. He's like the shaman and he's a legend. legend. He's been in like what everything like Blade Runner, Airplane, Mulan, Kung Fu Panda, Big Trouble in Little China, Chinatown, Hero. And now he'll be in Everything Everywhere All at Once coming out pretty soon. Yes, very soon. He's a legend. So love that they got him in there. We also have Wai Ching Ho is the grandma, Jordan Fisher, and Phineas O'Connell. And we'll get to their characters. Yeah, Jordan Fisher's your boy. (laughs) So I mentioned earlier that this movie was released on Disney Plus. So there's no box office for this, but this is the third straight film that Disney has decided to put. And by Disney, I mean Pixar film that they have put on the service instead of letting it have a theatrical release. It started with. Ray, oh, no, not Rhea. Um, no, it started with, why am I blanking on the name? It is about jazz. Soul. Soul. There <laughs> it we is go. about jazz. Wow. <laughs> he did this like hand yeah, motion. And th- then the second movie was Luca that came out last summer. Mm-hmm. And now we have Turning Red. So that's three straight movies that Pixar has been relegated. And I say that in a because we, you and I view the theatrical release as a a big deal for a movie. Mm -hmm. So going straight to a streaming service or direct to DVD has always had a view of like kind of second class, second tier when it comes to a movie. And it kind of feels like Pixar has been relegated in that way in the last couple years, which kind of sucks because a movie like this should get a theatrical, yeah, theatrical wide release. Now, that's not to say that being on Disney Plus is not a big deal because if you notice anything that comes on Disney Plus does get people talking. You know, it's always in the zeitgeist, whether it's a show or a movie. So it, it comes with its pros and cons. It does. And I, I want to harken back to our episode on Encanto where we said what mm. the box office was for Encanto. We watched it in theaters and it wasn't until weeks later that it got on Disney Plus and people started buzzing about it. It started trending on all of the socials, especially TikTok. People were discovering the music like they never heard it before. It was already out. Yeah, it was out for more than a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like now, even to today, 
Like, we don't talk about Bruno as a top five song in the country. That's not yeah. a joke. That is like a real thing. It's a real stat. So that's what I'm saying by the, you know, the cultural significance yeah. of a movie. Yeah. When but I also want to say <laughs> this is kind of going to go hand in hand with this movie, which is that these movies are taking a chance and they're highlighting a culture, highlighting um, a minority that mm-hmm. is not represented in film usually. Yes. And in Encanto, it was Colombian culture, um, Latin American culture. And in this one, it's specifically Canadian Chinese culture. Yes. Which, I mean, there's a lot of prominent names that you can think of. But like, for example, the most recent that we can say is uh, Simulu, who is Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. And he is of Canadian Chinese descent. You know, like we have people prominent. You love to see it. I want more representation. I'm not knocking that. But Encanto did badly at the box office. Yeah, you're right. It did. Like if, in terms of Disney movies, yes. It in did terms poorly. of Disney movies, Encanto did badly at the box office. Then it went on Disney Plus, did Gangbusters. Yes. This one, they skipped the wide release, went straight to Disney Plus, and people are kind of starting to buzz about it. It wasn't like a top kind of trending thing. No, it wasn't. But let me give you these two scores real quick. So it has a 95% critic score. I'm not surprised by that. That is most Pixar films are in the 90s for the most part. True. What's surprising to me is the 73% audience score. This seems a little low in terms of Pixar for me. So I really enjoyed it and Let's go ahead and let's just talk about the actual movie itself, like how we felt. But I want to jump back to that number because there's been some talk about the way people have been viewing this movie. It's oh, weird. Oh, are you talking about the critic that That's one said critic. they couldn't relate to it? Yes. It was tiresome or whatever. Yeah, that is one critic. But I'm talk- But the audiences have like really jumped on this movie in a weird way. Uh, so- uh, first off, the movie is great. And by critics' consensus, heartwarming, humorous, beautifully animated, and culturally expansive, Turning Red extends Pixar's long list of family-friendly triumphs. Mm-hmm. So do you do you feel that way? Do you think this is a very good movie, Jessica? It's very good. Okay. I can't argue with the critics' consensus that says it's heartwarming and beautifully animated, culturally expansive. That's all true. I would say, just like every other Pixar movie, <laughs> it's family friendly. I would say this is a this is a time period that is not quite explored that much anymore. No, outside right. of the period that that those that it was made in. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I know what you're saying. So it feels like an a uh, turn of the millennium, mid two thousands setting for a movie is like way overdue. <laughs> way overdue. Way overdue. When this is my time, like I was a child, preteen during this time. Two thousand two. I was just getting into high school. So yeah. So like yeah. So yeah. you understood like. They're, they're going about their days dressing the way they're dressing and they got Tamagotchis on their backpacks. They're doing like the Will and Jazz handshake from Fresh Prince. Like it's very visceral. This, this is my childhood and I felt 
really close to it. And even though I can watch a 70s movie, I can watch a 60s movie and feel close to it in whatever way, this was like mind blowing. I was touched (laughs) by this set of friends and this protagonist in this time. It's an entire section of time that I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of. It was 20 years ago. Yeah, it's 20 years ago. And that group of people who grew up during that time, like their their adolescence and their teenage years were during that time. You said are th- adolescence? Yeah, I know, right? I say adolescence. Ad- is, that, is that incorrect? It's, it's adolescence. <laughs> okay. uh, it's just... When you're when you're thinking of a word in Spanish first and then you translate it in <gasps> oh, English, that's the okay, thing. Like okay. I always dealt with that word in Spanish first. Right. So yeah, so it's just like translating it over to English. In my okay. Head. I am so sorry for interrupting your train of thought. No, no problem. So that group of people is all fully formed adults now and in Hollywood being able to make stuff from that time period. Like if if you looked in the 2000s, they were all making stuff about stuff from the early 90s or late 80s. Like it, it's a cyclical thing that directors, producers will look back at their time as young people and make stories about that. So I'm excited about that. I, I want to see more of that because it really will hit like the heartstrings, <laughs> you know, like really tingle of like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're playing this song at this moment at this drop. Because it was like right when I was a junior in high school or something like that. So I I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I think that it is a lot of fun. I think being able to see more cultures represented in movie form is great. Uh, If you notice, and this this could be anything. This could not mean anything or it could mean something. But the last three Pixar films have been some type of, you know, foreign culture based film so you or you know minority minority you just say minority i, I could say minority. soul is um soul african-american african-american yeah you have luca italian and then you have now uh canadian chinese with turning red so that brings me to what <laughs> has been said Okay, what has been said? So uh, there's an article from uh, NBC News that says, Turning Red Spurs Debate About Double Standards in Film Criticism. So apparently somebody, and remember I said that this movie currently has a 73% audience score. It was actually lower before. It was at a 66 at a certain point from audience. And when you read some of the audience reviews and the audience reaction it seems kind of it seems weird to me but i think it's the way we view films like for example uh this is not what pixar is about this is a random person this is not what pixar is about i can only see a very small group of people actually relating to this movie that feels so conditioned by current political trends it loses all potential to succeed as a transcendental film that's one person said <laughs> another person says definitely not made for kids it glorifies finding yourself in quotes and following friends at the expense of listening to your parents guidance totally inappropriate for children preteens who are not living in the modern progressive cult of ideas 
end quote, will find the topics awkward and uncomfortable. Maybe Pixar should decide if they want to continue making charming and enduring family favorites or edgy progressive adult films and stop sitting on the fence. What? Exactly. Like, what are you Edgy progressive adult films? I... First of all, first of all, every Pixar movie is basically made for two audiences, the children and the adults who are watching the movie with their children. Like Toy Story, for instance, has jokes in it that will fly over every child's head, but it is specifically for the adults. The children are there for the talking toys. The adults are there for the banter and the wittiness and all that comes with the clever script for Toy Story. I think that this movie with the themes that it explores, it's talking about a progressive theme of individuality and like following your friends versus your parents. Mm -hmm. I think this movie does a great job of showing both sides of that argument. Yeah, I think so too. And it's weird how we, we get kind of defense. Well, we by people, get so defensive when we've seen plenty of movies, animated movies where boys will, you know, go behind their parents' back and try to have fun. But we don't usually see the girl side of that. And now Mm -hmm. that we're actually seeing it, whoa, 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 slow down. Oh, so you're saying it's a gender thing. Oh, I think it is a very much a gender thing that people are viewing this through the prism. Guys can get away with it. Oh, yeah, boys will be boys. You know, type of scenario. But when a girl does it, whoa, 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 you need to be respectful and mindful of your parents. You can't be out here disrespecting. You know, it, it, Yo, it's weird. You're it's touching weird... on something because it's like that in the Hispanic households, too. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad you, you mentioned this because we're like, oh, no, the she can't go out. She can't stay out late. She can't hang out with so and so she can't sleep over. She's la, la princesa. And then the brothers or the guys in the family can do whatever the hell they want. Yes, and that is very much a staple in Hispanic culture. And I have heard that it is something that happens in many cultures, uh, minority cultures. So it's something that I, I kind of feel like that is what's being bucked against mm. with with a lot of people who are given this. If movie it was a boy reviews. character yeah, yeah, who like, was going through this journey. We would not see a peep out of like, oh, being this disrespectful is about disrespectful. your parents. Yeah. <gasps> And on top of that, I think what what's also happening is that because it's about a 13-year-old girl who is going through changes, not just mm-hmm. that she's changing into a panda, but she's also <laughs> possibly going through changes that a girl goes through to become a woman. Oh, yeah. She, the, the mom that thinks that she might have had her period for the first yeah, time. Yeah. And like we get an actual representation in an animated film of, hey- we puberty. think that our dark, yeah, going through puberty and like the mom is like, well, I'm ready. I have pads and I have this. And like she takes out a stack of pads, you know, and I think that kind of just makes some people uncomfortable because we don't really see that in movies that often. We don't mm-hmm. explore the the femininity in film a lot of times. So the fact that we're actually doing it and people are kind of like, eh, you know, like they're like having this reaction speaks that we need to be doing it more. We need to, it's not a bad thing to be talking about this. This is a natural thing, you know? Right. And so, it's actually very tasteful in the movie. Yeah. yeah I found it, it tasteful. <laughs> it is. You know, what's funny is that Miguel, 
who has been a guest on the show, um, when he heard the title, he he doesn't really know anything about the movie, but he asked me after I saw you goes turning red. So let me guess, it's about a girl who's like getting her period. And then I was just like, well, you're not wrong. And then he goes, oh, wait, really? <laughs> like he was totally like throwing that as a joke, but yeah, but it, it was true. But it, it's a weird thing how people... The reason why I, I was so focused on it is because you don't really see the audience score for a Pixar film so low like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was at a 66 at one point. It's currently sitting at a 73, you know. So that's why it, it just I was interested and I wanted to see why people were giving it such low scores. And, you know, it's it it's such a weird it's such a weird thing when people start like criticizing it but really kind of like outing themselves as to right i i this makes me uncomfortable i can't i can't relate to a 13 year old girl so i'm gonna (laughs) criticize the movie type of thing yeah so little thing like that so it does sound though that you and i like the movie it yeah we liked it i liked it a lot i was laughing yeah a lot throughout the movie it is a very funny movie i i enjoy a lot of the humor. The humor is what sells this movie. And the visual gags that involve the humor. Uh, being able to see like what is inside the head of May. Uh, mm-hmm. When she is imagining something. You know, like the visual representation of that is really cool. I think the music's really good, by the way. Um, this music, uh, the movie kind of centers around a boy band that the girls are in love with. Uh, they're named Four Town, and so and it's great because Four Town, but there's five of them. But there's five. Fantastic. Uh, the music they is, get it. Like the filmmakers get it they because get it. there's so many boy bands even yeah. today, especially even today. in Asian entertainment. Oh that yes, have all of these members and they don't match the name. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> so, so I great. like that. It's great. Yeah. It's it's a gag. Like it is a gag. It's a great gag. It's poking fun at itself almost. Oh, for sure. The music itself that the boy band sing is actually written by Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas. Phineas last name O'Connell. O'Connell. And they wrote the music for the boy bands to sing, which are actually pretty catchy. They're catchy as shit. They're catchy, <laughs> you know? Uh and then our boy Ludwig Gordonson is the Ooh. one who did the original score for the. When I saw his well. name pop up, I was like, "Rebecca, Rebecca, <laughs> this just got so much better." Like, <laughs> you have no idea. Oh yeah, but so overall, I think this is a a great movie to to take people to. Well, not take people to, but to sit them down <laughs> for on Disney Plus. Uh, is there? Anything that you want to say before we get into spoilers about the film? Or should we just No, no, let's just make the spoil. Oh, first first of all, I'm sorry we mentioned Ludwig Borenson and you might not know like what else he's done. Ah, that's a good that's a good point. So he created the music for Creed. He created the music for The Mandalorian. Yes. Black Panther. Black Panther. (laughs) He is uh, he is an Oscar winning score or music uh, producer. For that, for um, Black Panther, and he's a Grammy-winning producer for Childish Gambino's uh, "My Love." 
what is the name of the album? But ooh, don't ask uh, me. <laughs> it's the one with uh, Redbone, the big oh, song okay. from from that album. He he won the Grammy for that. So uh, he is an amazing music producer. Check him out. Check him out. He's a, to... he's the next evolution of like music composer. I would say in... like he's like a uh, an evolution of like Hans Hans Zimmer. Oh. That's a kind conversation of, for another oh, day. I know, I know, I know it is. But anyway, we'll get into that discussion at, <laughs> on a different episode. Maybe on our Patreon. Hey, Yo, I like another reason idea. to become a patron. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's go ahead and let's talk spoilers for Turning Red right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's go ahead and talk spoilers for Turning Red. Uh, This movie is obviously a lot of fun. Where do you want to start with this? Tiger Mom? Ah, yes, yes. I think we got to start there because that's basically a bit of a stereotype, but also very true to life a lot of people have said that their mom is just like this yeah there's a reason (laughs) why it's a stereotype yeah because these moms are very uh loving but also very demanding towards their children and they Mm. expect a lot the families in asian households uh just really control their children's lives and i (laughs) to a certain extent i feel that in the hispanic household as well I can, but I can, yeah. May, the May character is very scholarly. She's smart and intelligent and she focuses on schoolwork and she often puts her own wants after her fam- familial responsibilities. Yes. And so she takes care of the temple. She is there at their beck and call. She's home for dinner. She... I don't see her sleeping over at her friend's house. She can't go to this concert. Boy bands are not okay to listen to. And her mom is, she doesn't understand her at all. (laughs) No, not at all. And that's the major crux of the whole movie. I mean, I think you can say that we have seen this type of dynamic in other movies. Yeah, Lady Bird is is a prime example of something recent. Mother and daughter who are... At odds, don't understand each other. Yeah, that don't understand each other. And I don't like Lady Bird also. No, I know. I know you don't. (laughs) Uh, Still one of the top films of the 2010s, according to us here at Always a Critic. (laughs) If you want to go back and listen to that episode. Well, you shoehorn that movie in there with Miguel. We did not shoehorn anything. Hey. It was in there because it's good. Anyway... (laughs) But yeah, we do see that dynamic play out a lot where there is friction between an angsty teen and their parent. I don't really figure. feel like she's that angsty. No, she she's not at the beginning. What happens is she goes through the turning red chain. She becomes a panda, a giant panda. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say giant panda because there is a real species giant panda, which is the black right. and white panda. And then this there's is- the mother later on in the movie <laughs> okay well an actual that. giant panda <laughs> <laughs> she becomes a giant red panda yeah and that is when she starts to rebel a little bit yes 
This it's it's the perfect analogy for or metaphor. Puberty. I don't know. Puberty. It's exactly metaphor. It's a metaphor, metaphor, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the perfect metaphor, you know, seeing the changes and how, you know, it leads to the change of the person. Their personalities change. Mm-hmm. Emotions start to run wild. And I of do course like. They, OK, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I do like the way the movie captures that as as an, a symbol for being a teenager is that. Things start to change priority wise in your head and it may not be the smartest decision because again, you're, you're a dumb teenager pretty much, but like, like you take her at the beginning, her grades are like super important. Like she's super focused on everything she does. She gets a plus a hundred percent on tests and grades and everything. And then as the movie progresses and you see later on where she's enjoying herself more, but that is pushing back her academics and you start seeing, you know, she's starting to get B's and she got a 75 on something when her mother (laughs) finds all the paperwork underneath her bed. So I I do like that it is mimicking what it is like to be a teenager. Not for everyone, of course, but for a lot of teenagers where grades are like, "Eh." they start slipping, you start getting distracted. Yeah. Your friends start having more fun. Yeah. You start having more fun, you know? (laughs) And, you know, what they say, C's get degrees. So it's like. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> I was an A student, so I will not have that, I was, you I know, was, A slander. I would say I was a B plus, A minus student. Ah, uh, okay, so, okay. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, was, I was, I felt yeah. very, very much a kinship towards May, who was oh, I, yeah. an A student and very much not just going out and like shooting the breeze. Right. <laughs> During, especially during middle school, because I think she's in middle school. Oh, yeah. She's in grade eight, which always grade throws eight. me off when, so <laughs> when they say that from other countries. Yeah. Like England, Canada, like they go through like grade and then they say the number. And yeah. here we're like eighth, eighth grade. grade. <laughs> you know, it's like it always throws me off a little bit. Us Americans. Yes. I want to touch on the symbolism of the red panda. Yes. Because, you know, I just had a feeling that red pandas symbolize something in Asian culture. This is half-assed internet research <laughs> to take a phrase from <laughs> the rewatchables. The Shout out. <laughs> Just a Google search yields. Um, red panda is the symbol of gentleness, compromise, and patience. Ah. The symbolic meaning also includes balance, independence, security, as well as nonchalance while representing tree wisdom, tree divination, and recognizing the individual tree spirit. Mm, individual tree spirits. Yes. The individuality in us all, if you would say. Lots of different things, but I feel like the filmmakers saw everything that the red panda symbolized and was like, perfect, we'll make a movie that touches on all of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's actually a funny way of going. That's about something a movie. like the gentleness in particular is something that the women of May's family are very concerned with because the red panda, they're when they turn into red pandas, like they kind of have they're a loose cannon. Right. Yes. They have all this strength. They have all this command. And they can't be, uh, they're not gentle. <laughs> no, no. They they have a very aggressive mm-hmm. personality. They're more aggressive and assertive yes. in their mannerisms and right. the way they're they comport not, themselves. They're not as submissive. Exactly. That's a great word. <laughs> yes. 
And and it's some it's that duality of ha- being raised in a household that is so demanding where you have to be subservient to your parents' wishes or even their demands. But at the same time, wanting to break free and being your own person, it, that is the symbolism to me of seeing the red panda is breaking out of being that subordinate and making your mm-hmm. own individual choices. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it's anything wrong with obviously listening to your parents. You should listen to your parents. They have great advice. I wish I would have listened to them more when I was younger. But there's also a sense of discovering who you actually are. Mm-hmm. And so being able to find yourself is such an important thing when you are a teenager because you want to be able to stand out in some way. You know, you're not just a copy of your own parents. You're not just them. You mm-hmm. you have something to bring and you do have your own interests, your own mind, your own hobbies, and you want to discover them. You want to be able to know oh, I like this and I don't like this. You know, I don't want to be forced into things like that. So that to me is what the red panda symbolized while I was watching this movie. Just that sense of individuality, being able to know who you are or at least try to find who you are. That That's what it represented to me. I like that the panda is very cute. I mean, not just like visually, <laughs> I think it's yes. just, it's cute and it's Pixar, but at the same time, it is pretty menacing. The original reason for the panda transformation was to protect. Yes, that was the original. In their family lore, that was the reason for her becoming a panda, their ancestor becoming a panda. Yeah, you're right about that. So there is a lot of... It's tough because the ladies of the family have the option basically to cage their inner panda. Mm-hmm. You're right. And they and do. And they do. <laughs> none do of them decide objects. to. Yeah. None of them decide to stay the panda and just coexist with it and learn to control it. No. they rather bury it. Yeah. Than co- to mix in with it which is interesting as well because this is part of their ancestry and obviously it means a lot to them they have a whole temple dedicated to their ancestors and these and the red panda is like a symbol of their family mm-hmm. so and they you know they, they take uh strangers on tours and tourists on tours throughout their their family legacy and this temple yeah. so the fact that they're hiding essentially Kind who, of who they, they really are, are. yeah, <laughs> is tough to grasp. I feel. I I think it's because there is a certain image that they're trying to maintain. They're trying to preserve. Is we have to be these type of people. This is the type of person I'm expected to be, because I have to honor my ancestors. I have to honor my family, and honor is a huge thing. In the Asian community, it is you, you. That's why, if I'm not mistaken, and you can prove me wrong, but doesn't the last name usually come first when saying 
a lot of Asian names. Not all, but a lot of Asian names. Yes. Last name uh, comes first the because last the last name, name is more important mm-hmm. than the first name. So there's this always this pressure of living up to what came before you mm-hmm. and that you are in servitude of the family. Mm-hmm. Everything should be about the family. So I have a sneaking suspicion that this movie is a good companion piece for every other movie that has a female who is a danger because she's out of control. Oh, that's a major complaint I have for a lot of movies is that, oh, my gosh, she's out of control. She has a special power and she can't control it. She's killing people. (laughs) Uh, We just had something recently. In in and I know bringing it to Marvel, but another Disney property, but WandaVision, mm-hmm. where you know she is viewed yeah, that's as, a great example. Of, as out of control. She has to be con- stopped. <laughs> right, she has to be stopped. And they even reference this, which I'm I'm excited to see for Doctor Strange, Strange trailer. in the trailer. She's yeah. like, you do something you're not allowed to. You become a hero. I do it. I'm a villain. That's not fair. So you know. We're seeing, we're starting to see stuff like that, but you're, you're right. You're the right. The seed of that is in this movie because the ladies of the fam are like, oh no, she, she can't handle it. We can't handle it. The panda, if you let it um, linger and you don't cage it, it will take over. Yeah. It's going to cause trouble. <laughs> yeah. And it does speak to what you were saying about people having an issue when women have a power that they seemingly can't control mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they are always seen as a danger. Yeah. It's always it's a, a threat. Danger. Yeah. Always. Women in power are a threat. Period. <laughs> That's a quote right there. <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie, all red panda ladies are a threat <laughs> to a themselves threat. and to others. They feel that it's something that they need to just shut away. But what I do like is that the movie does make an effort in showing that May does actually have her control over the panda. She's one with the panda. Yeah. It's part of her. It's part of her. Yeah. Yeah. Like she knows, sure, it can be a bad thing, but she has been able to harness it. She's been able to control it, but in a way that's not limiting to what it is. It's not like she's trying to hide the panda she is just changing what it is that the panda can be as a symbol Mm -hmm. because it's always been protective fighter vicious furious but she's going the other direction she's going Mm -hmm. kind cuddly sweet it can it can be two things at once it doesn't have to be all one thing which is what the family is thinking it is like it's all Uh bad Or it doesn't all have to be good, but like there can be a balance. That's the important thing. And that's part of the symbol of the panda. (laughs) Balance. Balance. There you go. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about some of the mid 2000s stuff. Hey. Memorabilia, if you will, that's in this movie. The first (laughs) moment that I saw a Tamagotchi, I was like, I lost my shit. Did you have a Tamagotchi? I had one. Did you have it? Yes, I did. Oh. I had a Tamagotchi. I had a little dog. It was a Dalmatian dog. And I vividly remember sitting up in bed with all the lights on, taking care of it, (laughs) cleaning up after it, feeding it. And I fell asleep. I like dozed off while taking care of it. And I remember I woke up and it was dead. Like I was like, 
I like was very devastated oh. that the Tamagotchi had died. So the Tamagotchi in and of itself is a great symbol of the mid 2000s. Yeah. And especially is. the early 2000s. The mom even uses the Tamagotchi to hold her red panda spirit at the end of the yeah, movie. At the end of the movie. <laughs> You're right. The uh, temple pandas, she named them Bart and Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, great. Simpsons. Simpsons reference. Great Simpsons um, reference. I loved the... Did you notice the tech deck skateboard that was in a the locker? <laughs> yes, I did. I had one. You had a tech deck skateboard? Yes, I did. I did not. I thought it was yeah, ridiculous. Man. But I was never a, a fan of... Uh, uh, Tony Hawk in that sense, where I was right. like, "Oh, I Tony need a tech deck." Big deal. At yes, time. I know. Huge deal. But yeah, I had one. I had a tech deck that I would take to school and just try to do tricks with <laughs> with my fingers. You know, yeah. The Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a Nokia phone? I never oh, had yeah. a Nokia. I had the brick. You had the sure. brick. Yeah, okay. it was good for two things: uh, making calls and playing snake. Plings. Oh, the snake game. Yes. Yeah, snake game. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Those were the two things you would use that Nokia for phone for. And yeah, it, mine was a brick. Here in the movie, it was a, a flip phone, which was starting to come in vogue at that uh-huh. time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had the brick that just like was just a long, <laughs> slender, beige and black phone. Yeah. Which was, yeah. Back in the day. Even the fashion, somewhat. Yeah, the fashion. The they fashion. had like the little, the little butterfly clips. I used yes. to have a ton of butterfly clips in all different colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what was the kid's name? Tyler was the kind of like bully kid. Oh yeah, yeah. He had the jersey on the whole time. Yes, the jersey, <laughs> which was a big deal. You told me time. you were a jersey kid. I was a jersey kid. <laughs> I had a Dominique Wilkins Atlanta Hawks jersey that I would rock. I would ha- I had that one and I did have a Michael Jordan Bulls jersey as well. Like, yeah, I was a jersey guy. I was. <laughs> but you said you matched it with your shoelace? What, what yep, was it? Because what, I had I had the matching hat of the team, right? <laughs> and then I had white sneakers like uh high top Nikes, yeah. but I would match the shoelaces to the color of the jersey that I was wearing. <sighs> yes, wow. I was that guy at the time. Ooh. Yeah, so <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, I'm the fashion such a was kick. there. The yeah, fashion the fashion was, was on point. <laughs> it, it really resembled that era of time. Did you like her crew? I liked her friends a lot. Her friends were cool. I mean, they were my friend. They were my friends. I had friends like that. I, I wouldn't say that my friends were exactly that, but we did have a mix of friends when I was like in that stage of early high school where each one of us seemed very different than the other, but we all got along very well. Yeah. And that's what it kind of feels like here. It's like we have four completely different people, you know, that happen to share a common love for Four Town, the boy band. But they feel so different, but somehow they mesh together so well. The last time I felt that I had friends that were exactly like this and that this was our crew was mm. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> Where I was like, ooh, so-and-so's Carmen. Ooh, so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, that's funny. And I I felt that deeply for this crew. I was like, ooh, this is borderline painful to watch because it's so accurate. 
Because it's basically you. Basically, it's me and my friends in the mid-2000s. Someone's Um, reading Twilight. Someone's like, someone's a freak. Someone has the sidekick. Someone's super aggressive. Someone's super aggressive. You know who that was, my my friend who was super aggressive. Yeah, it, it it was great. I thought that they put a lot of love into each of the girls. They did. They they did a good job of finding good representation for all of them. Yeah. You know, a, a nice balance and mix of different personalities, which that's what you want because there's a lot of times when they show friends in movies and like an entire group of them all kind of look the same and mm-hmm. they all kind of resemble each other because they all have the same personality and like the same taste and everything. So they just like walk down the hall and you're like, they're all the same. The plastics. Person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The plastics. Um, but they all seem like the same person. And it's good to see like a, a nice mix of people because I definitely, and even though, well, you know what? You and I, I think have a unique case is because we, we grew up in South Florida Mm-hmm. And South Florida is such a melting pot of so many different communities and so many different people that you could have, for example, me, I had a Cuban Dominican friend, then I had a friend who is Indian, and then I had uh, just a random white kid. You know? <laughs> and then there's me. So then, so the four of us, it's like, yeah, we we don't look like one another. We didn't grow up the same. Mm-hmm. But somehow we are friends and we we like the same things and we enjoy each other's, you know, company and conversation. And it's cool seeing that because most of the time when you see like a high school movie, it's like a lot of the same people just like interacting with one another. Right. Carbon so, copies of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Which exactly. <laughs> a lot of people don't know what a carbon copy is nowadays. Oh, boy. That makes me feel old. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Let's talk about the boy group and Four Town. Four Town, real fast. So yes. Jordan Fisher plays Robert. Phineas is Jesse. I love this group. I just love it. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's everything I want in a boy group. <laughs> like they're all very different. They all have distinct voices and looks. Um, one is like clearly Asian. One was yes. white. One was mixed. One was dark. Like it was like perfect. I love their descriptions. Like they're going through them. It's like Jesse. Uh, <laughs> It, did it remind you of F4 at all? It reminded me a bit of F4. A little bit. A little When they were bit. doing like the montages of yeah. like them and like what their what their thing is. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. But when you bring it up, it like flushed into my head, like just rushed in. <laughs> yeah, but like the whole different personalities. Uh I love that like one of them, like he fixes doves uh you know, like their little <laughs> legs so they can fly again. Robert f- speaks French. And then when they get to the last two, it's like, and those last two, they're also talented. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it was really funny. And again, the music, very well done. And yeah. really captured that moment of time with boy bands because obviously you have your big two. You know, you have Backstreet Boys and NSYNC from that time. But, you know, you had other ones. You had 98 <laughs> Degrees. You had O-Town. Uh, there's someone else I know I'm Boys to Men. <laughs> well, Boys to Men, I would say. A little earlier a little, than that. A little earlier. But, yes, like right in that same vein. And, yeah, it was very well done with the music. 
very catchy. It gets into your head and you're just like kind of humming <laughs> it along when they're singing it. I've, Did you think that job. the Jersey boy liked her, liked me? At first I no. did, but then his party antics, I was like, oh, no, he doesn't no, no. like her. No. Um, romantically, I, I should say. Yeah, should romantically add. is what I, I I guess you were implying. I never got that sense because... There he was, was pretty cruel. He was pretty cruel, and I know that like the common stereotype is <laughs> when a boy likes a girl, when they're younger, they treat them like crap. But um, Don't no, believe it, guys. Don't believe it. And I never, I never got the sense though that he liked her. So, yeah, that what surprised me is when he was at the end at the concert. That one surprised me a bit. Yeah, he was at the Four Town concert. Yep, as they were (laughs) levitating with wings, angel wings. I lost. When I tell you, I lost my shit when they're with their entrance. (laughs) The angel wings on the like, oh god. Oh, but let's talk about the ending and the mom becoming a giant yeah, red panda. Of course. Let's do The it. size of Godzilla. Yes, for sure. She became a kaiju. She did because <laughs> it was the breaking point where May decides, I'm keeping it. I'm going to the concert. I'm not going to listen to anyone. And she runs off. Mm-hmm. And at that time during the scuffle, the mom's pendant breaks, mm-hmm. cracks. And so... At that point, the mother gets very furious, and then the panda comes out of her because of that crack pendant. It's able to come out. And, oh, my God, she's a giant-ass panda. Giant. But the dad didn't indicate how big of a panda she no. was. He just said she was pretty big. <laughs> Yo, that is not the way to describe That's her. That's not what you say. Pretty big. Yo. Mommy, she's a skyscraper. Yeah. Like, she should be having fights with Godzilla and King Kong. Like, yeah. seriously. She's a contender. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did like how slow-paced she was, like, moving-wise. Because if not, it would have been just ridiculous having this giant thing just move out, you know, move at a Hustle. crazy speed. <laughs> yeah. that. And even her speaking is like, you disobey. Like very slow <laughs> with a booming voice. I don't know why that's striking me as the funniest thing. Yeah, the mom turns into a giant panda, mm-hmm. rages onto the scene, crashes the concert, tears up the stage. It's mayhem. mayhem. If I was there, I would have died. No doubt about it. <laughs> like, I think I would have died at the concert. And there's this showdown between May and her mom. Exactly. Was, and she, they try and do like that circle again so that they can cage her inner spirit. Singing. Yes. They all start singing. But then Four Town kicks in too and starts singing harmony on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, of course, like the music that the aunties, the grandmother are singing happened to harmonize with <laughs> the song, song that, was singing. that yeah. Four Town was singing. Of course it did, which was so funny. Um, I really enjoy a lot of aspects of this movie. Uh, I'm trying, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to find something that maybe I didn't enjoy, but for the most part, I can't find something that I didn't enjoy. Not because I want to find something, but, you know, every once in a while, 
a movie is like, oh, it was all good, but, but I can't I, think of something right now. It was maybe the friends accepted her as a panda really fast. Mm, okay, maybe just a tad bit more tension there. <clears throat> well, she <laughs> she opens the window and she's a panda, and her friends yes. start screaming. She drags them inside. And like just nuzzles them with her furniture. She's like, it's me, it's me, shut up, please, it's me. <laughs> and they're okay, like after that. Yeah, they immediately like, ah, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They find it it's a, big a positive. Yeah, they do find it a positive. It's so it's maybe a that was quick. quick, too quick. I can agree with that. I, I was seething with everything the mom was doing. Oh, please talk about that. Because at first she has basically she loses her mind over this boy that works at the bodega. Mm-hmm. And she starts doodling all of these like mermaid fantasy doodles with this guy. I think what was the name? What was the name? Devin? Devin. That is correct. The mom finds the drawings. And I thought this was a dream sequence because it was so awful. The mom marches down to the bodega, confronts the guy. There's school kids in there that see what happens. She embarrasses me. Like, this is one of those things that you'll tell your children. It was so embarrassing. Oof. Yeah. Because she thinks that he's trying to seduce <laughs> May, who's in eighth grade, and mm. he said he was 17. Right. Which... I don't think that's right. I I don't think he said he was in eighth grade. No, no, he was seventeen. Right, he was seventeen. Yes, but and then I don't, she was in middle school, eighth grade. Right, that she was in eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. So you basically kind of like there's basically a f- three or four year age gap between them, which is a chasm when you're that young. When you're that young, yes, that is a chasm. And the mom rages like she. I couldn't believe that she was actually going through with this, this confrontation. <laughs> you couldn't believe? I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, she's not. No, she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> she did. And the drawings were so pitiful and sad. Oh, I know. It was just Devin as a mermaid. Devin as a mermaid. Like, that was her, like, fantasy. That was her fantasy. And, like, I love in the nightmare sequence after everything happened is like you see Devin as the mermaid. And oh, that was scary though because he's like flopping scary, around the nightmare around. sequence. Yeah, dude. Dude, that was such a dark sequence. <laughs> I was like, what is this, A24 for babes? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Where's the mermaid vagina? My God. Wow. That's a good one. It was a lot. It, that dream sequence was a lot. And I thought that The mom confronting Devin was a dream. I thought it was going to be like, oh, psych. No, it wasn't. It was real. No, you. you, uh, The mom never let her. I guess not. My mom's pretty chill, I guess. But (laughs) she never let Megan a word in edgewise. And then the mom also tears apart like the friendship, the friendship group, because she blames them for capitalizing on may as the panda yeah she it's their fault in quotations that they're putting all these thoughts into her head right and at that moment may well this is later on in the movie right this is after the party party may does not stick up for her friends no throws them on well 
her she silence. Basically throws, throws him under the bus with yep. her silence. With her silence. And that really sucks that that happens because the friends are doing everything they can to be supportive of her. Mm-hmm. And, and they accepted he, her for who she was. Exactly. And here they are, you know, needing that reassurance and that acceptance from her and immediately cowers mm. in front of her mom. Big moment. Big moment. Big moment. But I've I think seen we've it all happen. been there, though. I've seen it happen. I think we've all been there. We You've probably, seen it happen? What was I've your it situation? Um, it was a friend of ours. This was back in like, this was like sixth grade or something like that. But <laughs> basically, you know, we would ask all of our parents, you know, like if we wanted to sleep over a friend's house or something, right? Right. You know, we would all ask our parents and like we would get an approval. But there was that one kid who, you know, we knew the parents were very strict with them. And we would try to like all go at the same time to kind of like back them up. You can't, you can't do that. And then the the kid would be like, no, no, you know, I, I, they were just talking about it. And like he wouldn't actually like ask, like say that he wanted to go sleepover as well. And then he would just like kind of cower because he would, you know, we would go up to his parents and he would just be like, no, I never said I wanted to or anything like that, even though we all discussed it. He's lying. You know, he's lying right to our face. You know, right. like little things like that. You know. But it, it feels very end all be all when you're that age. When you're that age, it just. It's a yeah. substantial <laughs> lie. It truly is. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what do you mean? I know you want to sleep over. Exactly. Don't lie to me now. I We just <laughs> had this conversation three minutes ago, you know. So. Yeah, so I've I've seen it happen, you know, but I do like the fact that the friends did come around, and even when they were mad at each other, they still cared for each other. What was the girl with the beanie? She was the white girl of the group, I, Miriam. Um, she was taking care of her Tamagotchi when she dropped it at the party. She yeah. was mad at her, but like. The friends out there and saying like, well, she's been taking care of your Tamagotchi since feeding it every night and everything. <laughs> and then like, she's like, shut up. No, <laughs> she's trying to be like mad at May, but like her friends kind of out her there. Uh, yeah. I really found this to be a, a very good movie. I hope that a lot of people take the time to watch it because I think it's, I do too. It's a very good movie. And especially for not only representation for, you know, other cultures, but also representation for young girls, like girls who are becoming women. Like Mm -hmm. there is a transition period there that never gets talked about. Like it's either, oh, she's a little girl. It's very awkward. Or she's a a very awkward space. (laughs) That's it. Like, (laughs) like we don't get many stories of like that in between period. Like, sure. We've been 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. Like that age range. We don't get a lot of those. And I think that it's important to see that, to show mm-hmm. girls who are in that time period, yeah. you're not alone in what you're feeling. You're not alone in how things happen to you, you know? Yeah. I think it's a very important lesson to learn. And speaking of representation, one last thing I'll say is that I loved all the nuances of where they were, right? They were in Toronto on Chinatown. 
Yes. Yes, they were. And the dad's making dumplings and cooking really good food. They're speaking Cantonese. It's very realized. Very realized. And very specific. And I think maybe that is why people, the 73% audience score is theirs because it is very specific. And I, I like that. I love that about the movie. So do I. Uh, one thing I will say about the animation, beautiful animation. Like, mm. obviously, there's like the big moments that we see throughout, like when you see May's, you know, imagination going wild and just like where she's at the top of like, it feels like a mountain. And then like the f- members of Four Town are all kind of like spread around her. You know, like her imagination goes wild and it's visually represent represented, but also like little tiny details that just really make you appreciate the animation. Like, for example, when they're driving home from the party, it's the mom and it's May. And as they're driving, the, rin- the windows up and you see the lights of the city, you know, as they're passing by all these like shops and stuff like you see the reflection of it on the windows or when they're watching TV, you know, early on and you see that it's like staticky and like it, it does resemble like watching those older TVs, like the little details like that as an animator, I got to give them props because it's those little flourishes that really set you in to a world and also the time that the world is set in as well. Yes. And they're watching a sea drama, a historical Chinese drama, which really <laughs> hit a nerve for me as well. Cause I watch those every so often, but I loved it. I love this movie. I would highly recommend you guys go out and see the movie. If you've gotten this far and you love to be spoiled, you're crazy, but please go watch it. <laughs> but please go watch it. I mean, some people, some people don't mind being spoiled. And so if you don't mind it, thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, If you love the movie, go ahead and let us know by going onto social media. Go to your uh, Twitter, go to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you can find us at Always Critic Pod. You can let us know what you think about the movie. While you're online, if you're listening to this episode, you happen to catch us, go ahead and hit the subscribe button right there on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and many more. While you're there, leave us a five-star review because, you know, that that goes a long way for us. And finally, to the people who have been with us for so long already, it's already, we're about, here's a funny, you want to hear something crazy? We are about to finish our fourth year doing this. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. (laughs) Crazy. We're about to go into year five of doing the Always the Critic podcast. So if you've been with us for any portion of that time, first off, thank you. Uh, We really appreciate that. And we would love to know what you think about the show. So let us know on social. But also, you can support us on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod and you can be part of us growing even further than where we are now. You can be part of our journey as we go into year five of Always the Critic. This, wow, like it it came over me when I when I thought of it a few yeah. days ago. I was like, wait a minute, when did we start this? And then like I started looking and I was like, oh my God, 
We're about to finish <laughs> our fourth year doing this. It's crazy. And uh, I couldn't be more excited about what we do here. So uh, thank you guys for listening. And of course, thank you, Jessica, for always being there. Yes, I yeah, I never <laughs> Sorry left. Sorry for putting <laughs> you on I was a guest the and then I never left. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You were a guest and then I just kept asking you, hey, can you do? And then eventually I just stopped asking and it was just presumed. And then you just became yeah. my full-time <laughs> co-host. So <laughs> I appreciate you for doing that. All right. So I believe that is it for this episode. Next week we will have a guest because we are going to be talking about a movie that is not appropriate for kids. So it's going to be a completely different movie. We are going to be watching Deep Water, <laughs> starring Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck. And we will have special guest Jay Christie from the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. Uh, I can't wait to talk to him about this movie. I've already seen what the what the Rotten Tomato score is already. So I am even more excited. Okay. And just check us out there. And let us know your thoughts on everything that we do here. So with that said, that has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic Podcast. <laughs>